Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, and I sure hope all our listeners out there is having as good a time as we are here in the studio. I'm Jim Sims, and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning show in our 13th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans. And good evening, I'm Cornelius Wright. In today's account, you'll also hear about news and events of interest for the African American community, all in the next hour on Bring It On. But first, I'm sure you can confuse that with some of the great R&B companies across this or across this land. But what you just heard was a sampling of the IU Soul Review. The IU Soul Review was founded in 1971, and for more than 40 years, the review has wowed its local audience and audiences across the country with dynamic performances of timeless R&B, soul funk, and contemporary black popular music styles delivered by its commanding male and female vocal ensembles, powerful horn lines, and tight rhythm section. The review has opened for renowned artists including The Emotions, James Brown, The Temptations, Confunction, and Booker T. Jones. Several Soul Review alumni have gone on to professional careers in the music industry, such as Isaiah Sanders, former keyboardist with Stevie Wonder, and Michael Jackson, Keith Mitchell and Kevon, Kevon Edwards of the group After Seven, Michael Burton, saxophonist for Tyler Perry, Jill Scott and Mary J. Blige, Lance Tolbert, bassist and keyboards for Mariah Carey. And it is one of their illustrious alumni, James Strong, who is now director of the IU Soul Review at Indiana University Bloomington, renowned bassist, producer, composer, musical director, and world-class musician, Mr. Strong has led a successful career in the entertainment industry for more than 20 years as a musical director for Stephanie Mills and has worked with popular artists Tony Braxton, In Vogue, Tupac, New Edition, and LL Cool J. And one of the things I want to know was how the brother feels about being called illustrious. <laughs> but 
Brother James Strong joins us this evening to provide us with a look behind the performance curtain of the IU Soul Review. We will also get his thoughts on the upcoming spring concert set for this Saturday, April 14th at the Buskirk Chumley Theater. If you ain't got your tickets, you better get them because I got mine. That's at 8 p.m. Brother Strong, welcome to Bring It On. Welcome. Hey, hey guys, how you doing? All right. Thank you for having me. You see how much fun we have up in here. <laughs> I see, I see. Yes, I do. I love it. I love it. Now, not as obviously when the lights are on and your group is up on stage, and um, because they really look like they enjoy performing um, and make it look even easy. Yes. Um, but one of the things from an academic standpoint is that many of them are studying academically other disciplines mm -hmm. and music is not a side thing um a passion thing a a, a love thing a component a component you see you see how mm -hmm. i did that segue right into yeah. so you can break take us on home <laughs> all right well um one of the things that I've, i i feel that uh the, the students should get out of uh if you if you uh combining a, a arts an education uh, um, platform, if you will, meaning that you, you, you're going to school and you're going for the arts and you're in an educational institution, um, you should learn how to bridge the gap between arts and education. And that's what I try to emphasize in my teaching and my direction, is that to be successful, you have to make the handshake between arts and education because that was one of the key components in my success. Uh, I had been out in Los Angeles for probably a good part of 30 years mm -hmm. when I left uh, uh, IU. And had I not got the education, it would have facilitated the art that I was, the art dream that I was chasing. You know, before we talk a little bit more about that, as we were kind of talking before the show, tell the audience a little bit about James Strong and his vision and his journey. Okay. Well, I'm James A. Strong, Jr. I am a native of Indianapolis, Indiana. I grew up uh, inner city, Indianapolis, went to uh, local high schools, Northwest High School. Um, I was introduced to Indiana University through the groups program in the, uh, I'd say, the spring of 1982, when I graduated high school. Um, at that time, as a senior, I didn't know quite what I was going to do after I got out of school, out of high school, but uh, I knew what I was seeing in the environment around me, it wasn't for me. And when I was introduced to the groups program, um, it really, really appealed to me. It was, it was an it, it presented itself as an opportunity to me, and uh, I felt I filled out the necessary paperwork, and uh, happened to be one of the chosen ones. <laughs> and uh, summer of uh, 1982, I was down on the campus of Indiana University, rocking the house. Yes, indeed. And my eyes were opened. <laughs> I mean, I started to see there was another. There's the rest of the world out there. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And. Welcome. I'm a Groups 75 alumni. Are you? So, oh, you know. Right on. How do you think we all got to Bloomington? <laughs> or a lot of That's us. Right. That's right. That's um, right. That's right. One of the things that interests me, and now you are a performer and a professional and have been doing that for a lot of years. How difficult was it to marry the academic part 
um, which probably took a little bit of work and adaptation on your part mm -hmm. with the music and performing part, which you can probably do in your sleep. Yeah. And let um, me kind of add on to yeah. that. Were you introduced, did you know about the Soul Review when you first came here, and was this one of the things that drew you to Indiana University also? Okay. Well, um, no, I had no idea about the uh, uh, the Black Culture Center, the African American Arts Institute, Soul Review, or anything before I got to uh, uh, IU. Um, but as you know, during the summertime, you know, students, we all co-mingle and we get to know each other and word of mouth starts to get around. And I started hearing about, you know, the Black Culture Center. Have you been to the Black Culture Center? And this is when it was the old Black Culture the Center. House. The house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the downstairs. And yeah. it was, you know. Um, <clears throat> and I was like, no, no, never. You know, I always was, a, I was a musician. I was a young musician coming from Indy. But uh, uh, I, I did had no idea about you know, Soul Review, Core Ensemble, Dance Company, any of that. But finally, I, I, I just, you know, I got a chance to go over there. And the first person I ran into was Dr. Mumford. And, you know, once he started speaking, I was like, oh, this this, this guy here, he's, he's, he's talking my language here, you know. And then when he found out that, uh, that I was a musician, uh, he uh, uh, invited me to come audition. And... Um, I auditioned and got the, we got the role, and uh, wow, that was, the rest is kind of history as far as that's concerned. Um, <clears throat> but to the second part of your question mm -hmm. about um, uh, the marriage between uh, arts and education, um, it wasn't immediately apparent to me until I got into the real world. Right. You know, once I got in the real world, when I, once I, when I landed in Los Angeles and um, had to rely on all the tools in my chest because you, you you got a suitcase full of clothes, suitcase full of this and that, but do you have a suitcase full of strategy on how you're going to, you know, move forward in life? And at that point, I had to figure out, okay, James, what are you going to do? Nobody knows you. You know, you're a young kid out here in Los Angeles, and you really don't know your way around, but you have some family members. So basically, I had to dig into... I had to dig into my uh, my uh, tool chest of things that I learned, and that education that I received from Indiana University happened to be one of them. And what I mean by uh, <clears throat> uh, education facilitating art, at that point, I was able to take care of myself. I was able to get a job. I, before I actually start, started my venture into my music career, I worked for General Motors for uh, four and a half, five years, mm. you know? And, um, but my education facilitated me being able to go and get a job at GM as opposed to getting a job somewhere else, like, you know, like um, not, not to knock McDonald's, but McDonald's versus GM. Well, I'm gonna take a G I'm gonna take GM. So, uh, so I was able to take care of myself, support myself and support my art. So that's why, you know, now in my teaching, uh, I have to emphasize that you have to make the, get the connection between art and education because your education, you know, when you need it, will facilitate your art. Now, thinking back, if you go back 30 years or so when you were a student, mm -hmm. if one of your professors at that point had given you that message, do you think it would have resonated with you being a musician, having walked where they're walking now, 
do you think they listen to you a little bit more than they would if it was just another professor? You know what? I don't think so. Because what lured me <clears throat> away from IU was the, the, the bright lights, you know, the entertainment. The, you know, back in the, in the early 80s, you know, the vision of being an a, a artist or, you know, a, a, a big-time musician, it was still the dreamer that was still alive, you know, um, hip-hop and electronic music, right. you know, drum machines and DAWs, digital audio workstations, hadn't come in and just kind of just obliterated, obliterated that, that dream, if you will. You know, musicians were coming out of the 70s, you know, you had something to, to reach for, <laughs> right? But it made that transformation then during the 80s. You know, hip-hop started coming in, rap started coming in, drum machines. So the business started to change. By that time, I was already landed in L.A. during the change, you know. So, you know, musicians weren't getting that many calls, you know, uh, during that particular time. And the fact that I was there and nobody knew me. So I had to have something to, to, to land on. So I landed on my education. Critical thinking is a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I think that was the point I was trying to get at as far as the students in the academic part. Um, many of us, and, you know, and I'm proud to be a graduate of Indiana University, but many of us get caught up on whatever degree you may or may not have. Yeah. Um, we know a lot of folks have got degrees and not as successful as they would have hoped. Sure. But we also know there's life experiences, um, things that we know that just don't get taught in the books. Yes, sir. And, and I think that was kind of what I was more getting at um, mm -hmm. as far as your relationship in the academic world. Mm -hmm. um, and are, are there examples that you could maybe share with us on that? Um, and not that they mm -hmm. all are aspiring to be professional musicians. Mm -hmm. In fact, mm -hmm. I kind of doubt, I'd, I'd be surprised if any of them said, I want to be a professional museum. There might be sure. some. Well, there, there, there are some. There are definitely some. Um, like, for instance, when, when I was going to school here, I, I was a business major. So my, my, my mental, my psyche was already, you know, kind of geared toward business, you know. But I had this art side of me that happened to be uh, pretty decent. And uh, what I would say about the, uh, uh, you know, the things that, you know, you don't necessarily get from school um, is I, are, are universal things, you know, like consistency, follow through, <clears throat> you know, uh, um, focus, you know, persistency, you know, qualities that, that really transcend all careers, any, any field that you're in, you know, you got to, you know, nobody's going to call you and wake you up in the morning and tell you to go to work. I know that's right. You know what I mean? Now, you can either do it out of, out of that motivation or you have to do it out of necessity. <laughs> Which, take your choice. You're going to have to do it. Yeah, you're going to have to do it, right. You know, and I tell my students, too, I said, learn to love the process. Because what we create, the average public person will not un quite understand it. They'll see the end result and they will, they'll, they'll register, I like it or I don't, but they will never understand what the process is to 
making it happen. And that process right there, that's where it all, that's where that focus, that rehearsal, practice, consistency, follow through, you know, all these particular things, these qualities that transcend all fields come into play. All right. And I want to get into the spring concert here in just a second. But one more thing in that area, I think. Um, In my working with young people, there is a big difference between reality and some of their hopes, hopes and dreams. Um, And it's difficult for me not to stifle some of those hopes and dreams with bringing up the reality um, percentages of of the chance of succeeding in that particular And sometimes it's not worth doing that because I would say, you know, you got one in 300 chances to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's not the best way in a lot of cases with me. It's like, let's just accentuate the positive more or less. Do you struggle with that? And maybe struggle is not the right world, but is that something that's on your mind when you're talking, and particularly with those that think they want a professional career? Uh, That's so valid. What you just said is so valid. Um, And you get attached to the students and... You know, me being a professional, like I'll tell the students, like, you know, please don't don't show up to my class not prepared, because I know when you know a song and when you don't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I know when you're struggling and when you're not struggling, um, and so you get attached to the students, you know, and you form a a, a a relationship with them, and some, like you said, you know, some may have the raw talent but they don't have the mental facility that it kind of takes, you know, whatever they, the influences that they've come up through, um, they got to understand you have to add consistency. You have to add perseverance. You have to add patience. You have to want to understand the process because that is what's going to help you to successfully channel your art to a place to where it's marketable. You know, some don't have that. And that's a component. Those are components that you really need, you know. Um, And then there are some talent-wise that that don't quite have it, but their work ethic is superior, you know. And sometimes I will choose a person that has a superior work ethic over the one who has all the talent. Right. Because I know that I can count on this person, first of all. And I tell my students, understand that reliability is a very, very important component in making it in the entertainment business, sports, medicine, business, wherever you decide you want to land in life. You know, your reliability, your reputation on how reliable you are plays an important role. And I'm glad you brought that up on how that relates to other career disciplines. Yes. Um, most of those conversations I have with youth has to do more with athletics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Years ago, and, and years ago, Whatever. what I used to say, you know, there is, you have a better chance of being the first black man on the moon <laughs> than you do of making L.A. Lakers. Right. In reality, that is a fact. But yes, sir. what did I just do to that kid and his hopes and dreams at that? Well, it so depends. there's a way to nurture that it differently. Depends. So, one, so I think that was important, what you said, and, and that correlation. Go ahead, now, La La Land, you <laughs> ventured out to L.A. Yes. What brought you back to Indiana and the IU Soul Review? What brought me back? I think the timing was right. Yeah. Um, 
And I make, you know, like you're making athletic correlations. I make these kinds of correlations all, all the time, too. Um, when an uh, athlete decides to come off the field or hang their shoes up, uh, they either go into coaching, teaching, or broadcasting. You know, could be one of three of those things, but, you, you, you know. And uh, for me, the timing, you know, um, my career is still relevant, you know, so I still have some things to say. But the fact that I got started so young and it spans so you know, much ground, I've, I've spent so much, spanned so much territory. Um, I mean, I've probably been around the world five, six, seven times, you know, and played in every major arena from, Mar- from uh, Market Square Arena to uh, Madison Square Gardens, you know. Um, and so it got to a point to where I'm like, you know, hmm, the opportunity came, and I was like, wow, hmm, that's interesting. Every time I would come back to this, re- this, this area, this region, Midwest region, if I was playing with someone, I always kept in touch with Dr. Sykes, yeah. And we'd always get together, and we'd have lunch or coffee, and 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 we did that for we did that for like ten years, and never really spoke of, you know, directing IU Soul Review or any of that. We we're just friends, you know. We're just I, I've come to this part of town. I give him a hey, doc. I'm in town. You know, you want tickets or you know, can we meet? You know, and we would yeah. always make time to meet, and uh, so we kind of facilitated a relationship for almost ten years. And uh, <clears throat> one of those times I came back, he said, hey, you think you'd ever be interested in uh, uh, directing IU Sorby? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I could. But, you know, at that time I was, I was musical directing for Stephanie Mills. So, <laughs> you know, I was like, Man, yeah, you know, we kind of, you know, I thought it was light. He threw it around light banter, you know. But um, a few years later the opportunity came up and he asked me again. I was like, Sure. Why not? Right. right we've, I, we've got a clip actually, coming think, up. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. We've got a, cl- a musical clip coming up, and then we'll be back with the rest of this interview. A little something, something for yes, you. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, all right. Thank you. 
You just heard a sampling of Love Goes Around by the IU Soul <coughs> Review. And we would be remiss if we didn't continue on with this very engaging and enlightening interview. And for the benefit of our listeners, we're talking this evening, and I'm going to use this term illustrious again, <laughs> <laughs> Brother James Strong, uh, director of the IU Soul Review right here in Indiana University, Bloomington. Um, Brother, we were talking about a, a, a lot of the nuances of, of teaching, um, succeeding, dedication, hard work, consistency. Let's talk about the show Saturday night, the oh, spring great. concert. I think that's a good segue. Absolutely. Wonderful. Um, what can we look for? Is there going to be a surprise? Um, I, I will say this, and, and, and thank you again. I can see how encouraging you are with, with um, your performers because I was a little struggling. Well, maybe I shouldn't hit our brother. I saw the, the, the IU Dance Company Saturday night. Excellent show. Um, but those of us that's been here for a lot of years, we, we could see the difference. Mm -hmm. um, there, there was a difference. Um, but it's excitement. Um, it's, it's like moving forward. I, I guess what I'm getting at is can we expect something similar with the IU Soul Review? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, is this going to be a Bears Place show or auditorium or bus charm show? I'm just messing with you. <laughs> Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I, I was about to there, 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 there you go. I had to almost ask you how many, how many tickets did you have to give, get when you performed in Market Square back right. when it was Market Square. But that's another exactly. story. That's another story. You know it, huh? Uh, let's talk. <laughs> All right. But uh, uh, absolutely, uh, we. Uh, I, I'm a product of uh, uh, the music environment of the 70s you know that's when uh an era where there were no copycats all the groups that came out were free enough to be different you had lakeside you had switch you had midnight star you know you had the deal all these cats when they came out and, and bootsy parliament you know everybody had a different type of you know approach to it right different sound different look and the public conscience was free enough to accept it, you know. So that's where I decided to start this show, give this thing the show. This show will will embody the '70s, uh, the bold grooves, the, the the luscious harmonies, the incredible melodies, you know, the tight arrangements from the '70s. Yeah. You know? And then we. Then we switch up and go to our, our second movement, which will be about the 80s, you know. And we'll, as a matter of fact, we'll introduce a little bit of hip-hop there, too, because that was one of the, that's what was the beginnings uh, in the early 80s of when hip-hop started to kind of be born, you know, and, and the electronics start to be a part of the, the musical uh, uh, platform, right. you know. But R&B still held its own. You know, so we'll go. We'll, we'll venture into the '80s, and we'll, 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 you know, we'll mess with that a little bit, and then we're we're gonna transition into the '90s and on up from there, and that's when it's really gonna get exciting. 
we're gonna turn it up a notch mm. when mm, we get mm, there. Mm, mm, mm. So uh, I, I, I better get ready for my chiropractor bill. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you definitely can expect, you know, absolutely what Soul Review has always done is is thrill and 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 if you will, kill, kill and thrill. Yeah. You know, um, we were talking about past directors and. Mm-hmm. And, and and just talking about how things are different and and we were saying that you know it's okay to be to be different and what I d- did emphasize is that directors like Dr. Tyron Cooper and Professor Christopher Farrell one thing that happened when I came into uh, as director of IU Soul Review it wasn't broken and the pieces did not have to be put back together I told Dr. Cooper personally I said thank you brother because you left me something to reach for, you know? Yeah. And so did Professor uh, Krista Tullaferro. She left something here for me to reach for. So um, I applaud them, and they were, they, you know, awesome directors. How, Wait, imp- how important is it for you to make the connection between, um, and it's kind of weird because the stuff that we used to groove on is now old school. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, from the R&B days and moving on into the techno, the mechanized mm-hmm. you know, beats and that into hip hop and, 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 and mm-hmm. moving further. How important is it for you um, in working with the students to make that connection between all of those? And I don't want to say different genres. and They really kind of are. Mm-hmm. But there's still that connection, that thread. Yeah. It's 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 awesomely important, you know, because if you think about the students, they understand it from one perspective. Right. Okay. Then you got me. I understand it from another perspective. But I may more so understand how that that those perspectives intermingle with each other. And that's where I can unfold the answers to them as to say that um <coughs> One of, uh, say, Bad Boy's uh, Biggie Small songs, you know, they know it for being, I, I, I love it when you call me Big Papa, but I know it from Isley Brothers Between the Sheets. <laughs> All right. Okay, they may have no idea that that's where that song came from. And so when you unlock that answer from, and give them that key, and it's like, oh, I see what's happening. And then when they start to actually go in and explore the lyrics, because they have a different uh, perspective, because I always ask myself, what do you think those lyrics mean? You know, like, for instance, uh, uh, we're doing a song by Denise Williams called Silly. Mm-hmm. And I asked my students. Denise. Yeah. I asked uh, some female students, I said, you know, what do you think these lyrics mean? And some were like, well, um, they were like, it, 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 what did she say? She said, um, Oh, we think it's about uh, 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 girls being silly and, and, and guys being, you know, guys. I said, yeah, kind of. But I said, imagine yourself being a young girl who had a crush on the high school quarterback. And he's so popular. And here you are, you're a young freshman, and he's a senior. And, you, and you're sitting there daydreaming about this guy. You know, and you're saying to yourself, wow, it's silly of me to think that this guy could ever be, you know. And they start, oh, wow, that's, 
that's what that lyric means. Yeah, that's what that lyric means. That's what Denise was saying. She was saying that she had met a person that was that she 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 revered in such a way that she said to herself, "Ah, oh, it's just silly of me to think that this person's going to want to go out with me." And so you know, unlocking those kinds of you know keys and and, and opening up that that perspective for the for the students. We're here with. Dr. James Strong, the director of the IU Soul Review, and the show is going to be April 14th at uh, 8 o'clock at the Buzzkirk Chumley. Uh, in the last couple minutes, is there anything you'd like to tell our listening audience about the show, about what's going on? And uh, you've got the mic. Well, I'd like to tell everybody, April 14th, Buzzkirk Chumley Theater, uh, 8 o'clock p.m., IU Soul Review Spring Concert, um, it's a revival of the 70s, 80s, and 90s and up music. Uh, it's going to be hosted by Hot 96s and the Indiana Pacers MC B. Swift, who happens to be my nephew. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, That's probably uh, how we got him down here. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be a hot show. Um, uh, if anybody's seen the, uh, uh, the potpourri, um, Soul Review came in and showed up and showed out and uh, that's exactly what we're going to do this Saturday, April 14th. Alright, and we'd also like to make mention that uh, this show and many of the series, the Potpourri series, um, are celebrating WTLC's, radio station WTLC's 50th anniversary. Absolutely. And I am so glad we can stream that because I can just hit the phone in the morning when I'm getting ready. But that's enough. <laughs> we can go over about 15 different stories. Oh, yes. <laughs> we want to thank James Strong, director of the IU Soul Review, for joining us this evening to talk about the music industry, the review's future, and the upcoming spring concert set for the Saturday, April 14th at the Buzzkirk Chumley at 8 p.m. For more information on the upcoming concert, Visit the bctboxoffice.org slash AAAI or call area code 812-323-3020. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff, and the address is bringiton <coughs> at wfhb.org. We just want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org. To keep up with local news and find out what's happening behind the scenes at WFHB, you're invited to like the WFHB Facebook page. Go to facebook.com and search for WFHB. Or you can always visit the WFHB News website at wfhb.org slash news.
Charlie, you just heard my favorite part of you by Charlie Wilson. IU Soul Review Director Professor James Strongs plays the bass on this cut, and it was nominated for a Grammy for Best R&B Song of the Year. 
Bring It On is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community. Here on WFHB 91.3 FM and live on the web at WFHB.org. For Bring It On, I'm Jim Sims. And I'm Cornelius Wright. All right, it's time now to give you the latest perspective on the people, the news, and issues affecting the black community. All right, is that you or me? That's you. All right. Don't have age before beauty. (laughs) (laughs) The following commentary has been prepared by Derek Johnson of the NAACP, president and CEO. In the 200 years plus since its first inception, the United States Census has often provided a racist, biased, and erroneous count of people of color in America. If care is not taken, the 2020 Census is gearing up to be much of the same. As a constitutionally mandated and protected act, the decennial census ought to be carried out with proper diligence and accuracy. Yet for the black population, it has often been used as a political weapon to further disenfranchise our communities. From being forced to identify as a white man's commodity to being counted as only three-fifths of a person, understandably, black people have had a historical aversion to the census. The NAACP has long been vocal about the implications of an ill-prepared census on the African-American population and last fall, The NAACP filed a lawsuit against the U.S. Department of Commerce for its refusal to disclose records on its preparations for the 2020 census. Several factors raised concern regarding just how prepared the department was to adequately carry out a full and fair election. A Trump-imposed hiring freeze, the abrupt resignation of the head of the Census Bureau, and a relatively underfunded budget. After our request was sent in June to see documents on the Census Bureau's plan to mitigate these risks, a request protected by the Freedom of Information Act, an inadequate response absent in a majority of the NAACP's request was produced in October. Witnesses Changed Forever by Dr. King's Death Adrian Sains and Kristen M. Hall of the Associated Press shared that Clara Esther's eyes were fixed on the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr as he stood on the concrete balcony of the Lorraine Motel. King was in Memphis to support a sanitation workers' strike, and Esther, a college student, had been marching alongside the strikers as they sought better pay and working conditions. She and some friends had gone to the motel for a catfish dinner when she saw King chatting happily not far away from where she stood. Then Esther heard the shot. It was 6.01 p.m. on April 4, 1968. I'm still looking at him, Esther recalled. He looked like he was lifted up and thrown back on the pavement. Next thing I remember, I was stepping over his body and I'm noticing that he's struggling for air. King's death changed the world and altered the lives of those who lived through it. Some would spend the rest of their lives fighting for racial equality and economic justice. Others, including Esther, would struggle to come to terms with what they saw. 50 years after King's assassination, Esther has trouble talking about the months that followed. Haunted by her memories, she left her hometown. On February 1, 1968, two sanitation workers were crushed when a garbage truck compactor malfunctioned, sparking a strike by about 1,300 black sanitation workers weary of horrible working conditions and racist treatment in the dirtiest of municipal jobs. The words that would come to signify their protest, I am a man, 
were not a given with everyone in Memphis at that time. All right, and this is news and it's coming, so I guess we really have to um, read it. Uh, Mr. Mark Denth with Deadline reports that the wait for the second Bill Cosby trial isn't over yet. This morning, with opening statements scheduled, Judge Stephen O'Neill announced a delay as he makes a decision regarding a selected juror the defense claims told another potential juror that Cosby was guilty. O'Neill said the attorneys would meet with the juror in a private conference. He did not say how long the opening statements might be delayed. The motion involves juror number 11. He's a white man who looks to be in his 20s and 30s who said during jury selection last week he harbored no opinion about the case. But Cosby's attorney said the juror relayed an opinion that Cosby was guilty to another potential juror as they waited to be interviewed. They asked for juror number 11 to be removed from the jury panel. Uh, the retrial involves a night from early 2004 in which um, Bill Cosby allegedly sexually assaulted former, former Temple University employee Andrea Constand. Hope you can get a fair trial. All right. Target settled a racial discrimination, discrimination suit over its background check hiring process. The lawsuit highlights the unfair bias against black job seekers with a criminal record compared to whites in the same situation. The retailer agreed on Thursday to pay $3.7 million in the class action suit, which was brought on behalf of thousands of blacks and Latino job applicants who have been denied positions at Target since May 2006, USA reported. Target routinely rejected job seekers for offenses that were irrelevant to the positions that the applicants sought, the suit alleged. Target's background check policy was out of step with best practices and harmful to many qualified applicants who deserved a fair shot at a good job. <clears throat> Excuse me, Sherilyn Enfell, president of the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund, said in a statement. The retailer agreed on Thursday to pay $3.7 million in the class action suit, which was brought on behalf of thousands of black and Latino applicants. Target's background check was out of step, and Cheryl Enfield, president of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, said in a statement that they, that they deserved a fair shot at a good job. Tarjay? Tarjay. Say is not so. Yes, indeed. All right. And that was a look at African-American headline news from around the world for this week. Tune in again next week for the latest news on and for the African-American community. We want to know what you think of current black issues. Send your comments to Bring It On at WFHB.org. For Bring It On, I'm Cornelius Wright. And yes, I am still Jim Sims. You're listening to Bring It On, Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community. Here on WFHB 91.3 FM on your radio dial and live on the web at WFHB.org.
just heard what you gonna do with my loving by stephanie mills prior to coming to iu professor james strong the iu soul review director was the musical director for miss stephanie mills well, let's talk a little bit about that little story you just told us about that song hmm they were having a live performance and stephanie happened to turn around and say yeah you playing my song and he's now the director of her of her band, or yes, he was right. director of her band. And if you can connect that to his earlier conversation, consistency and dedication and uh, you know perseverance and all of that, and the good Lord gave you two ears, so he was listening. Yes, he was. And that's where it got you. So all y'all young folks, listen. Listen. Why you got two all ears. Right. It's now time to bring on the events of interest in the black community. For Bring It On, I'm Cornelius Wright. And I'm Jim Sims. And the Black Barbershop Initiative, sponsored by the Commission on the Status of Black Males, will be held Thursday, April 19th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Hoosier Barbershop. The screeners include Osmond Chiropractic Center, the Monroe County Department of Health, Diabetes, Blood Pressure, and Body Mass Index, talks on depression from the IU Counseling and Psychological Service, stress, anthem coverage is getting signed up for health coverage, and... Um, we hope to see you there. And to continue that, the Commission on the Status of Black Males, are their, meet, their next meeting will be on April the 11th, which is a Wednesday from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. All meetings are held in the Hooker Conference Room, room number 245 at City Hall at Showers Plaza, 401 North Morton. Step in, uh, see what you can do to help, and, and see the positive thing that these brothers are doing in, in this commission. Hope to see you Wednesday. Uh, all right. Um, also, just to let you all know that you will see soon in our high schools and our churches in this community, the NAA, Monroe County Branch, NAACP Scholarships Applications. It is our hope this year that we can pass out three 
uh, $500 scholarships to our graduating seniors, um, and you will hear more about that. So for further information, you can call 812-360-6147, or you could email to NAACPMCB, Monroe County Branch, NAACPMCB at gmail.com. And the Black and Brown Arts Festival is seeking submissions. The festival will take place on Saturday, May 19th at the Banneker Community Center, which is located at 930 West 7th Street from 12 to 4 p.m. The Black and Brown Arts Festival is a celebration of African and Latino creative arts and artists to affirm community space, preserve, preserve arts appreciation, and enhance pride in the spirit of diversity of the Bloomington community. The festival will provide a medium for talent, for local talent to showcase visual and performance art in an environment that engages the audience with artists in their work. For more questions, contact Rafi Hassan, a director of the Safe and Civil City program at area code 812-349-3559. The submissions are due Friday, April 27th at 5.30 p.m. And the panel review of submitted works will take place on Saturday, May 5th. Be there or be square. And our last one for the evening, Blacks in Government, or BIG, which is the NSWC Crane Chapter, announces its annual essay competition scholarship. The scholarship of up to $1,000 is open to all minority graduating seniors with a 3.0 GPA or higher, and more information will be forthcoming. If you have an event or happening the African-American community should know about, please send the info directly to the Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional information about a calendar item that you've heard tonight, contact us at bringiton at wfhb.org. And we had a good time. I want to thank James Strong, who's the director of the IU Soul Review, for joining us this evening to talk about the music industry, the review's future, and the upcoming spring concert set for this Saturday, April 14th at the Buskirk Chumley Theater at 8 p.m. If we had more fun, it probably would be illegal. That's a fact. For more information on the upcoming concert, visit bctboxoffice.org backslash AAAI or call 812-323-3020. Our show's producer is Clarence Boone with help from WFHB News Department Director Wes Martin. Our board engineer is Chris Martin. Our original theme music was created by Jamil Ephiam with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Cornelius Wright. Yes, you are, and I am Jim Sims. Tune in with us next Monday, April the 16th at 6 p.m. to Bring It On for another exciting show right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.